everybody and welcome back to What The Ruck, the Edge of the Crowd's dedicated Aussie Rules podcast where we discuss and dissect the latest in the Aussie Rules world. My name is Rebecca Ruthven and I'm once again joined by Danny Brown and Ellie McNerney. How are you guys going today and what did you think about all the footy that happened over the weekend? Hey, I'm good, thank you. I'm a bit knackered after uh, pre-season has started. Um, but yeah, a uh, weekend of footy, well, not just a weekend, it's been a whole week full of it, hasn't it? Um, but yeah, loving loving having it on our screens, but not loving the reason behind it being on our screens nearly every day. <laughs> How about you, Ellie? I'm still not over the <laughs> Bulldog six-point loss to Frio, but um, yeah, I'm doing good. Was it a good weekend of Footy and yeah, I'm super grateful to be able to have um Footy on our screens, considering especially the West the WA teams what they've gone through over the past, I guess the whole season. Yeah, it does suck. Like the fact I can't go to Footy, but I guess it's just still such a blessing that we're able to watch them and that they're able to put on a show for us. How good is Amy Franklin though? Like I, she was one of my favorites in last year's draft and just. Seeing her kick those two goals against the Bulldogs tonight, I was just so happy. So, yeah. You just love to see debutantes kicking goals, I reckon. I feel like positive vibes all around. Yeah. Absolutely. And just seeing the way like, all their teammates and stuff get around them too, it's just such a special moment in their career and it's awesome that we can witness it. My favourite videos are always the ones um, of the draftees getting announced. And then them calling their parents afterwards. They're always the best videos. I could not agree more. They make me so emotional. It's it's like the um it's like the AFLW version of um watching like military homecoming reunion videos. (laughs) It's just like I don't need these tears today, but thank you. (laughs) And speaking of good news, obviously Danny and I we're both in the thick of our amateur football preseason at the moment um but Ellie you have some news regarding football yes so um pre-Christmas I'm, I thought I'm not gonna play footy this season because my knee's a bit not good um but I decided that I'm actually going to give it a crack so I start my training on next Monday Ho- hopefully it all goes to plan and I start next Monday but yeah I'm not looking forward to pre-season <laughs> Honestly, preseason is the worst part about footy. I, I swear we go on about this every week, but <laughs> far out. I'm really not a fan of all the running that you have to do, but I was pretty stoked. Um, we had our first session on Tuesday this week and we got to do boxing and it was so much fun. We'd never done it like at footy before. So um, I'm, I'm relatively happy with our preseason so far but I also don't want to jinx it <laughs> I've never done a full preseason because of my knee so I've been lucky in the sense I've never done all that running I think I've done like one time trial in my like four ish years not including uh, including 2020 because that was the year that I actually did it but it never amounted to anything because COVID but <laughs> yeah 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 I mean I feel like preseason is so humbling because I've done heaps of swimming, like heaps of gym work over the off season. I'm like, yeah, I'm fit. Like I'm ready to go. Um, And then I get there and I made to run a lap and immediately I'm in tears. Like my legs are screaming. My lungs are screaming. Just everything's in pain. It is so humbling. 
And yeah. as well, because I put in a lot of hard work because my team actually won a grand final last year in our inaugural year. So let's go the Hawks. Um, <laughs> but I was the water girl for it. So I'm wanting to, you know, get back in the team, play a couple more games than I did last year and hopefully win a flag as a player this time. Hey, a water girl is a very honourable position to have. I would be stuffed without without our water runners. I would be like, I would need to go to the bench within the first five minutes of the game. So don't don't diminish your role in the grand final, Missy. (laughs) I mean... It's still a very important part because we did get medals. So AFL, why are you not giving medals to the full squad? Um, Yeah. Moving on to some other people who would like to win premierships. Um, We had another round of the AFLW. Um, We mentioned it at the start. And as always, there are clangers and there are hangers. Everybody loves the hangers, but nobody likes the clangers. So Ellie, what didn't you like this week? Um, Gabby Collingwood, um, unfortunately, after two years on the sidelines, went down with another ACL injury. Um, yeah, it happened in the second quarter and it was kind of, she kind of looking, looking at the footage again, um, she kind of, it almost like she kind of slipped under the Geelong player. Um, and it's, you hate seeing ACL injuries in the first place, but to finally come back after two years on the sidelines and to only to only do your ACL and not make it through the full game is just heartbreaking. Um, but onto some brighter news. My hanger is the young doggies. Um, so I believe they said in the broadcast tonight that 11 of the dogs players um, had only made their debut um, in the 2020 season or afterwards. Um, my probably one of my favorite players for the dogs at the moment, Eleanor Brown was best on ground against the Giants with 18 disposals and then had 15 on Tuesday's game. Um, and she's playing an important role across halfback. Um, and Isabella Grant playing a key role down back as well, um, not having the obviously the numbers that Eleanor did, but she got. To, she received two holding the ball calls going her way within like a minute against that game against the Giants, which is massive. Um, yeah, so she she played in my local my local league, the league I played in back when I was in under 18s. So it's good to see her hitting the big time. Um, so Beck, what about you? So while we're on a positive note, I'm going to talk about two girls uh, who play for the Fremantle Dockers. Um, who have six games between the two of them. Um, That is Anya Tig and Jess Lowe. And the way they handled the duo of Sabrina Frederick and Chloe Malloy against Collingwood on Thursday night was unbelievable. Um, They are very, very prominent goal kickers um, and they had the potential to, you know, cause a lot of damage. Um, But yeah, they were kept goalless and Tig went on to earn six coaches votes uh, for her 12 intercepts, which is incredible. Um, And when you consider that she hadn't played any football prior to this season, but in her first two games of the season, um, she actually played up forward 
so it was a very smooth transition for to defense and you know you couldn't have asked for a better transition and then Jess Lowe like her story is so cool she started at Amos like we are right now and she's gone to the AFLW and it was a four-year-long transition she missed out on being drafted in 2020 but she got picked up by Fremantle in last year's 2021 draft and she pieced together a couple of, you know, really solid games, um, as did Anya. And um, because of all their hard work, you know, containing that power duo of Collingwood, um, they earned a very well-deserved rest against the Bulldogs. So props to them. And let's hope that that rest isn't too long because I can't wait to see what else they do. Um, but my clangor um, belongs to Taylor Harris. So not anything she's done on the football field, but it's what people are saying to her off the football field. Um, she came out with an interview recently. She spoke um, to the House of Representatives, I believe, about social media and online security and safety. And she said that the abuse she received for requesting a trade was worse than the abuse she received um, when that um, photo in 2019 went viral. Um, and it got to the point where she wanted to delete social media. She obviously chose not to, but it was a very tough decision for her because she didn't want, you know, young girls aspiring to reach the AFLW to see the online abuse they can receive just purely because they love the game and they want to, you know, do what's best for their career. Um, but she also wants to inspire people by posting on social media and sharing her career achievements and stuff like that. So it's a very sticky situation and obviously mental health, like it's always been such an important topic, but in recent years, it's getting, um, you know, a lot more attention and stuff like that. And to see people going out of their way and, you know, damaging another player's mental health and hearing about the toll it has is really, really heartbreaking because Taylor Harris has done so much for the game in terms of advocacy and, you know, showing young girls what they are capable of. So it's a shame um, to see that she's receiving all this abuse and hopefully, you know, no other players experience anything similar, but unfortunately I don't think that will be a reality. Anyway, to lighten the mood, Danny, would you like to share your hanger? I was going to say clanger there for a second. <laughs> sure. Um, first up with the hanger, I would like to give an honourable mention for the hanger this week to myself. Um, I tipped Gold Coast last week and you ladies just laughed at me. You laughed and laughed and questioned my sanity and they won. They won. They beat Richmond by five points. So thank you for the plaudits. I will take this and put it in my trophy cabinet. Thank you, Danny, for the honourable mention. Um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> um, the actual hanger for the week is... Um, I love when people kick their first goals in AFLW. Um, and we had some pretty significant ones over the last round. Nicola Barr is the most prominent one. She has played 33 games of AFLW and never kicked a goal. And then suddenly in her 34th, she's like, hmm, you know what? Instead of like going goalless, I'm actually just going to boot three tonight. And she did. <laughs> She went for it. She bloody sent it. And she 
she earned some a fair amount of votes. I can't remember if she was if she got the ten coaches' votes or uh, no. I think she got nine. Um, but props to Nicola Barr. That was fantastic. And I also want to give a shout out to Cheyenne Hammond, who played in the league that I play in down here on the Flurio. Uh, so, so obviously it's the place where she learnt to hone her craft and now it's been rewarded. She kicked her very first AFLW goal. She was drafted in 2019, made her debut in round one of 2020. And so it's taken, you know, two years to get to this point. And just to make it that little bit sweeter, it was the winning goal for the Gold Coast. So props to her. We had numerous other goals um, kicked by debutantes as well, Amy Franklin, like we've already spoken about. She took a leaf out of uh, Zimmy Farkerson's book and kicked a goal in her debut game. But then she's like, no, nah, I'm going to one-up you and actually kick two goals. So that was really awesome to see. Um, props to props to everyone that kicks goals. It makes it entertaining for us. <laughs> um, my clanger to bring the mood down is Janelle Cuthbertson absolutely destroying her cheekbone in a training drill. Uh, she, she returned to training after being out from a concussion protocol. She got concussed in round two. It was her first training back. And yeah, just an incident at the training session. And now she has metal all throughout her cheeks holding, holding this cheekbone together. Uh, so this could be like up to six weeks that she's out for, which, you know, would be leading into finals time if the season sort of goes relatively to plan. And, you know, she's really bummed. She she only played seven quarters this year. Obviously, she missed one quarter because of her concussion and being the first first session back. That would, that would just be devastating. Like last year, she was an All-Australian defender and Frio are obviously going to miss her in that back line. Um, but, yeah, we hope that she has a quick and smooth recovery and she's able to pull the jumper on um, at least one more time this season. So fingers crossed for you, JC. And hopefully for her, it is a grand final. Yes. And I feel like this is my favourite transition that I've used on this show, but that wraps up our clangers and hangers. But let's move on to another issue that involves West Australian clubs. Um, so news has come out of the West Coast Eagles saying, um, or indicating rather, that the girls would like to head back to WA on the 8th of Feb. Um, and Hayley Miller has also come out and said that the players, so both West Coast and Fremantle players, are getting $200 a day plus meal allowance. Um, so this hub is obviously proving to be challenging and it's not even just hubbing the way, the, the difficulty balancing an AFLW career and another professional career in COVID-19 life. Um, it's proving to be quite a challenge. We've seen... We've also seen conflict between the AFLW careers and their other chosen career paths um, and whether it's actually practical to work the two um, given how COVID is running rife through squads and squads are being made to isolate upon exposure and stuff like that. I know Jess Wushner came out recently and said that um, she was having her shifts cut and she could potentially lose her job. She's a support worker, um, because she chooses not to put her patients at risk. So it begs to ask the question, how long can the league continue to be like it is 
given what else these other AFLW players are doing when they're not playing. Ellie, let's start with you. What do you think? I don't think it can last sustainably for much longer, especially in um, the new COVID normal that we're seeing, that we're not just seeing across the country, but we're seeing across the world as well. Um, It's not, you can't really compare it to the men's league because the men, yes, they go into hubs, but they don't have full-time jobs at the same time. And I know the likes of Dana Hooker um, is... Her child is back in WA and is about to start school and she'll miss that because she's in the hub down here in Melbourne. So, yeah, it's not sustainable. Um, I guess I think it was Cara Antonio put on her Instagram that um, her and Ariel Runnels are um, doing remote teaching. Obviously, they both teach at sea there in WA. So at least they can sort of get some work. But um, there's there's a whole range of different careers out there in the AFLW. You've got like firefighters. Um, I think there's a few tradies out there, so they're not they're not they're not things you can do remotely. So it needs to change, especially in this COVID world we're living in. And I guess it also poses the other challenge of if they are cross coder athletes and both their clubs are playing at a similar time. What happens? to their other, you know, career in that sport if one team goes into COVID um, health and safety protocols but the other one doesn't. Like, they're putting their other sport on hold to accommodate. It just shouldn't be that way, but it is that way because, unfortunately, that's the time we live in. Um, And just another thing that struck me was the $200 a day plus meal allowance. Danny, do you think that's enough or do you think that they need more to compensate from the, you know, other working hours that they're losing? Well, it's not only the work that they're losing, it's also the emotional toll and the mental toll. Um, I can imagine they have plenty of support staff on hand, but there would be, you know, a lot of things like, like Ellie mentioned, you know, missing first days of school and milestones for kids and and that kind of thing, weddings and, and potentially funerals and, that kind of thing so it's not just a compensation for you know accommodation and and payment as part of a quote-unquote professional sport it's it's so much more than that I feel like if I compare that $200 a day to my own salary that I'm on I'm not a professional athlete and you know that's roughly in the same ballpark to what I get so I think that's quite um quite a underestimation of what they deserve I think um so yeah in short no I don't think $200 per person is enough but what what is the answer like do you say okay we're just gonna get rid of hubs and that way we don't have to pay you or are we going to get everyone in a hub and we will sort out a pay um there's there's so many variables happening it's it's a really tricky and difficult conversation and yes two hundred dollars is better than nothing but it's not it's not enough you know some players are like you say, losing their losing work and things like that. And I'm sure some of them are the only breadwinners of their family and trying to support themselves 
and their family it's just yeah not not sustainable it's essentially $200 to pick up the $200 a day to pick up their lives and move interstate for god knows how long because what they left at the end of round two and um obviously west coast when they get back at the 8th of feb that's roughly been a month they've been on the road for so that's massive considering they've got families back in wa and then their full-time work away from football so yeah it's it's a massive thing to be going through and it's definitely not enough it would be interesting to have a look at um say for example the bbl where uh we had the perth scorchers were away from their away from wa for 48 days um i wonder like that's is is a bbl a full-time like full-time career because it's only like on for a couple of months in a year um i wonder what kind of payments they would be getting um yeah just to throw another comparison in the works but yeah it's how do you how do you compensate uh time i don't know yeah and can i just say um like for comparison i'm a casual swim teacher on the side i earn more money working a day than they earn a day for spending time in a hub so i'm not going to say how much more but it's more um but yeah like money cannot buy experiences and I think that's really important. Like you look at West Coast, uh, Daniel Pratt, he resigned because he knew there was a very real chance that, you know, the team could go in a hub and the time they would be predicted to go in a hub, his wife was set to give birth and he didn't want to miss that. And because he knew he didn't want to miss that moment, he had to surrender his job. So it's, Overall, a very tricky situation around for the AFL, how do they support these athletes, um, for the athletes themselves, for the clubs, for, you know, even the governments, um, like just how do they support them? And you think there's four more teams coming in next year as well? Yeah. And they're not, they can't even support the 14 teams like they deserve. So it's going to be a very interesting 12 months. Anyways, we do have another round of football coming up. So I think it's time to get stuck into previews. Um, so kicking us off, we have Geelong and West Coast at GMHBA Stadium. So both these clubs are at the bottom of the ladder. They're looking for their first wins. Geelong is looking very strong and they're probably one of the stronger improvers of the year. Um, but West Coast is coming off COVID isolation. So they haven't played in, you know, a one or two rounds. Um, do we think this will be the week that Geelong finally gets the win? What are we thinking, Danny? I think so. I'm sorry, Beck. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Uh, yeah, Geelong have been looking pretty good considering the score lines that they've had. Um, you've got that, uh, you've got the young guns really firing now. Chloe Shear is finally kicking goals. So she's, you know, doing the job that she was recruited for. Um, I I think that Geelong uh, have this one in the bag. Not to not to jinx it <laughs> as much as you would like that, Beck. <laughs> what about you, Ellie? I do believe it's sort of all come together for the Cats. Um, that game against the game against the Blues a couple of weeks back. Um, you saw signs in that game, and they improved off that coming within a point of the reigning premiers. Isn't an easy task, especially 
um, up in Brizzy. Um, this will be the week that they finally get the um, get their first win of the season. One thing that's really working in their favour is last season the ball spent a lot of time in their defensive half. So they conceded roughly 13 scoring shots a game um, and conceded 45 points. So that's quite a lot. Um in consideration of sort of where the AFLW is at in terms of skill and scoring and stuff. So basically the ball is going in their opposition's forward 50, being rebounded out and then heading straight back in. But one thing that they've really managed to do is restrict it. Um, They've cut down uh, the scoring opportunities conceded down to nine. So that's three less. And that is, props to them like it shows that they've worked really hard especially in defense um but also as well um the midfield is coming along in leaps and bounds but you've got to acknowledge the defense as well I mean the defense has also only given away 30 points against whereas last year they were giving away 45 so that's cut it down by 15 so props to Geelong, props to the coaches, and it shows that they've definitely worked hard in the off-season. And as much as I hate to say it, I wouldn't mind Geelong getting their first win because I think they've earned it. Yeah, I think so too. Their defence has been incredible. Like when you think about the um, reigning premiers even struggling to break down that defence. Um, and and when even when Brisbane was able to penetrate it, it was still like they couldn't capitalise because the pressure was so immense. So props to Geelong. Absolutely. And speaking of Brisbane, we have Brisbane and Collingwood at Maroochydore. I hope I said that right. Um, Collingwood came off a pretty disappointing loss against the Fremantle Dockers last week. And it's also their first interstate trip for the season. So how does Collingwood rebound and how do they stop the Wardlaw-Davidson combination up forward? Ellie, do you have any tips for Collingwood? It's an interesting one because that's something they've struggled with um, in the past. Obviously, they've had the two games that they played last season, one being a prelim final, was it was pretty close. Um, but they do have a secret weapon up their sleeve. I'm not sure when they're planning to use it. Use her. Um, Ash Brazzle is still looking to find her way back into the side, obviously off in England with the Aussie Diamonds uh, for the quad series. But what a handy addition to have um, that Steve Simons can pull on, pull from um, when he chooses. I'm not sure if she's fit and firing to go, but um, yeah. So it is going to be interesting. Um, Obviously the last time these two teams met, Collingwood didn't get the result that they were looking for. Um, and they struggled to score, especially against that um, defence, that strong defence, which um, is going to be interesting to see how that's kind of evolved, obviously, with the likes of Emma Zilke retiring and Kate Lutkins going down with injury. So it's going to be a very interesting clash. Do you think the holes left in Brisbane's defence will enable Frederick and Malloy to fire? Danny, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I wouldn't say no. Uh, I think that... Brisbane has been working well regardless um, that it's it's been more so converting when they've been entering the forward 50 that has been their issue um, but 
yes, I think that is something that they'll need to work on, especially with those two big names. And when you've got players like Britt Benici and Jamie Lambert um, feeding, feeding the ball into the 50, uh, that's something that they will, that Brisbane will need to be aware of as well. Um, Brisbane do have some pretty prominent names up forward as well that have sort of been, you know, getting getting the uh, the fire up in my guess. Um, you know, Emily Bates has just been incredible uh, every week and Dakota Davidson was back at her best. She snagged goal as well and Orla O'Dwyer has just been one of Brisbane's best each week. Uh, she's been reliable for them and yeah, I think it will be uh, more of a battle of uh, who can shut down the forward line quicker um, for each team. So after that clash, we're heading back down to Victoria uh, where the Ds will be taking on the Gold Coast Suns, which I think will be quite an interesting clash. Um, Casey Fields has a wider oval than most other AFL W grounds, but could that suit Gold Coast due to them playing home games at Metricon? I'm not sure. Ellie, do you think that could have any bearing? It's going to be interesting. I don't, I don't, I can't really compare the grounds personally, but um, I'm guessing it is probably similar um, considering that the AFL guys do use that training ground. So it's going to be similar to what Metricon is. Um, but yeah, the only other thing with Casey, it gets very windy down there. So it's going to be very interesting. But I think this game is going to be closer than a lot of people are expecting. Gold Coast are up and about um, after, I believe, two back-to-back wins um, for them. So it is going to be an interesting clash, and I wouldn't rule out the Suns. No, I wouldn't either. And then, and then you've got, obviously... Um, Melbourne, they've got their forward line of Taylor Harris and Kate Hoare, who is we've established is very, very damaging in past episodes. But then you've also got people like Eliza McNamara, who's been quite consistent and very reliable for Melbourne. Um, last match, she had 22 disposals. Um, but Gold Coast, um, they've also got a lot of reliable players in Charlie Rowe bottom and then up forward. You've got Tara Bahana. Um, and then Alison Drennan as well. She got the perfect 10 votes with 27 disposals and nine clearances. So is there a matchup you're excited for, Danny, or what are we thinking? Um, I'm keen to see who Kalinda Howarth ends up uh, matching up with. Um, she is obviously a really dynamic player and could play at different spots on the field. Uh, I am really keen to see who takes Sarah Perkins as well. We know that she's been playing really well this season. She's she's always been relatively consistent. It's just she's never really had the opportunity to shine. And I think this year she's doing that with the Suns. So, yeah, I think whoever whoever Kalinda Howarth takes and whoever takes Perko will be a um, really exciting matchup. I want to see some aerial work though. So whoever's playing Taylor Harris, um, please like restrict her, but also let her do her thing in the air because that always makes for exciting footy. Yeah. Like we all said, we do love a hanger. So <laughs> um, yeah. And just, just on Sarah Perkins, I think, even though she might not hit the scoreboard in a game, her work off the ball to enable her teammates to score is really, really admirable. And that's one thing I love about her game. I think she's a very selfless player, but when she gets a goal, you always love to see her celebration because you just know it's going to be good. 
Yeah, she's she's the kind of defensive attacker that everyone wants on their team, I think. Yeah. 100%. Um, so also in Victoria that week, we have the Bulldogs and Richmond. So the Dogs are still searching for their first win, but they did look good against the Dockers. Is this a sign of something that's good to come? Ellie, what are we thinking? Um, it is going to be an interesting match. Um, I loved the way that the Dogs played on Tuesday against the Dockers. It was surprising um, the way they just came out there and I guess blew all other people out of the park. I guess they, they kept them goalless relatively for two quarters, which is not an easy task to do. Um, but they are missing Isabel Huntington up forward um, and they kind of haven't found that consistent player to kind of replace her um bonding two goods being good and so has Rochelle Cranston last week but they need that consistent player up forward who can take those strong marks and convert on the scoreboard so it's going to be an interesting match um but yeah yeah I'm looking forward to it as well because I think as well with Richmond is Although they aren't winning and obviously you want to see teams winning, um, they are still playing very good football, like their style of play. It just looks so much better than it has in previous years. There's just more chemistry between the lines, um, which is fantastic to see. Um, But they're still looking for their second win of the season. Um, Do we think that the Tigers are a chance? Should we write them out? What are we thinking? I... I'm actually convinced that Richmond will get on top in this game. Um, Sorry, Ellie, I've gone against both of you guys today. I'm just going to (laughs) go. We can't all have good teams, Danny. (laughs) I'll just flick my hair. Um, Yeah, I think that it is their time to shine. I, I really liked, though, uh, from the Bulldogs, the way that Celine Moody was, um, was, uh, working in the defensive line, especially against the aerial skills of some of the Fremantle players. Um, so, I mean, the the Richmond side has some of those similar types of forwards as well. So, that will be an interesting time for Celine to try and to try and shut them down. But yeah, I just really really looking forward to the way that Mon Conti and Katie Brennan will lead up forward and hopefully get them a really solid win um, just to boost that morale that little bit more, I think. Absolutely. Um, And speaking of, I guess, boosting morale, it's time for you to talk about your crows, Danny. Um, Adelaide are flying at the moment. So how, how do you see this game against Carlton at Icon Park panning out? Well, you can never really count out Carlton at Icon Park, can you? That's that is their fortress, I guess. Uh, it's it's the place they like to call home. It's and it is an important match for the Blues this week. It's it's their annual Carlton Respects match, which is raising awareness and money to uh, help women who are um, impacted by domestic violence, and it's sort of promoting gender equality as well as a way to prevent uh, domestic violence against women. So it's going to be a pretty uh, intense atmosphere, I think, in terms of what Carlton will bring to the match. 
But like you said, Adelaide are flying and we're seeing Erin Phillips. She's returned to her peak form. It's It's been amazing to watch her uh, just reach these heights again with those three goals that she kicked last weekend. It was absolutely spectacular. She's doing all the right things on the ball as well. Um, and oh, I just love her. I was... I, I had my doubts at the end of last year, especially with her niggly noodle, little knee injury. Um, and I wasn't sure how she'd go this year. And I'm very, very happy to eat humble pie because she has been fantastic. And she's obviously been ably supported by all the, um, all the usual suspects like Anne Hutchard, Ebony Marinoff, Sarah Allen. Uh, Eloise Jones is having a breakout season as well. So I'm just not sure how Carlton will find their way through such a dynamic uh, lineup. It's it's going to be a, a fun game to watch if you're a Crow supporter, I think. And I think as well, um, it's almost up for with Adelaide. If one doesn't get you, the other one will, because you've had Ash Woodland kicking four goals in the first two matches and then... You've got Aaron Phillips breathing three last. You've got Aaron Phillips breathing three last weekend. So it's gonna. They're gonna need a real, really solid defensive lineup, and they, they. You can't really count anyone out because if one doesn't get you, the other one will. So it's gonna be interesting and a lot of work for um, Karen Harrington and Co down back for the Blues. And to finish off the round, we are heading down to Tasmania where North Melbourne is taking on Fremantle at North Hobart Oval. So we have got two elite midfields going head-to-head this week. Um, on North Melbourne side, we've got Ash Riddle, Jenna Bruton and Jazz Garner. And then for Fremantle, we've got Gara Bowers, one of my favourite players, um, Hayley Miller and Gabby O'Sullivan. So which midfield do we think will get over the top? question i i'm i'm loving how riddell is playing i wonder if her youth and um adrenaline i guess might uh might beat out the midfield there but i i feel like kiara bowers might just humble her um and bring her back down to earth after her absolutely magnificent last few games um yeah, you're right. It will be a battle of the midfields and that's where the most of the excitement will happen, I think. Uh, we had Mia King as well, who has been excellent for North Melbourne. She got um, the perfect 10 coaches votes last game. Um, 25 disposals, five tackles. So she's she's sort of got the similar stats to like a, a Kiara Bowers or a, or a Hayley Miller there. So that's exciting. Um yeah, I, I'm not sure if I can pick it apart, but my heart is telling me Fremantle. Could Mia, King, could Mia King be a smoky for the Rising Star? Obviously got nominated round one. Yeah, it would be hard to look past her at the moment. Um, or hard to not say she's in... Um, it would be hard to say that she's not in solid contention for it, I think. Yeah. And just on the um, Riddell-Bowers battle, you look at all the different stat sheets, like they're usually in the top two, top three um, in terms of midfielder stats. So it's going to be very, very interesting to watch them go head to head and, you know, see who is, I guess, the top of the cream of the crop. Um, So, yeah, um, just another thing as well is, 
Emma Carney has been playing really, really well in a new halfback role. Um, do, do we think that she will be able to shut down the likes of Gemma Houghton or any of their other forwards that have the potential to cause a headache? Roxy Roo, you know, the likes of those? Or I definitely think so. I think the last few games, Fremantle kind of haven't been as accurate on the scoreboard as they could have been. I think the game against Collingwood, they only really kicked away in that last probably five or so minutes of the match. And then the game against the Bulldogs, they kicked three goals. Um, so I think having a supreme defender like um, Emma Carney across halfback will make a huge difference um, to North potentially getting the win. Anyways, so we have given our thoughts for the round. This time we are going to give our quick fire tips um, you know the drill. I call out the match. You say who we think's going to win. And we just see which team has the most, I was going to say votes, but we're tipping. So the most tips. Um, yeah, friendly reminder to everyone listening. Make sure you put your footy tips in. I forgot to put my footy tips in two weeks ago and it has absolutely messed up my score. So don't do what I did. Remember to put your tips in. So kicking off the round, we have Geelong and West Coast at GMH Bear Stadium. Ellie, what are we thinking? Geelong. Geelong. Um, my heart is saying West Coast, but my head is saying Geelong. So I'm going to follow my heart, West Coast. Um, <laughs> purely because uh, it's the first time they've played at GMH Bear Stadium and West Coast is traditionally shocking at GMH Bear. Brings you back flashbacks from last the last AFL season, doesn't it, Beck? Oh, not even the last one, like 2019. <laughs> we were shocking there, and that was the year after we won the flag, our men's team. Um, anyway, quick fire. Rebecca, keep going. Brisbane versus Collingwood at Maroochydore. What are we thinking, Danny? Uh, Brisbane. Brisbane and Zimmy kicks a bag. I'm going to go Collingwood. <laughs> Um, Melbourne and Gold Coast at Casey Fields. What are we thinking, Ellie? I'm going to take a leaf out of Danny's book and go Gold Coast. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> oh, I want to tip a draw again. Um, no, let's go Gold Coast. I've got to back him in from now on. I'm going to go Melbs. Sorry, guys. You have a smart one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I might be wrong. Who knows? Um, so then we've got Bulldogs and Richmond's at VU Witten Oval. What are we thinking? Doggies. Tags. Get out. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Richmond. And if you tell me to get out, just remember I am the host and I do have the power to kick you. Um, anyway, before I threaten my guests this week again, let's move on to Carlton and Adelaide at Icon Park. What are we thinking, Danny? Adelaide. I'm tempted to tip, uh, I'm tempted to tip Carlton just to piss Danny off, but I can't go past Adelaide. <laughs> yep, I'm going to go Crows. Um, and then finally, I think this is probably going to be the toughest game to tip. North Melbourne and Fremantle in Tassie. What are our thoughts, Danny? Frio. That wasn't hard for me to tip. Sorry. <laughs> no, Frio. Frio for me. I think Frio are going to finally break, 
not finally. I think Frio are going to break the streak and North is going to take this one. I'm going to go Fremantle. How are you? I, I might be the one coming back saying that you guys all laughed at me, but we'll see. <laughs> I hope I can say that when West Coast finally get their first win. But anyway, we're not being biased on here. Um <laughs> There was only one game in our quick fire tips that we were unanimous on. That's got to be a first for us. Spicy. Tea. All right. So that wraps up our podcast for this week. Guys, do we have any final comments? What are we thinking? Can I just give a last minute shout out to Tessa Levy who played bloody WNBL on Saturday and AFLW on Sunday? um that is bloody ridiculous if you ask me so good on you and shout out to our cross code players um I hope that she gets at least one win this round because both games she got losses in so we I'm, love hoping you, Tessa Levy. <laughs> I'm hoping it doesn't come in the AFL <laughs> um just a final mention um, for the Doggies Richmond game. It is the last match that at Witten Oval um, that will take place in the old Witten stand because um, it's obviously being knocked down due to it being redeveloped. So for all the doggy supporters listening who are from Melbourne, get down to the game on Sunday um, and your final chance to sit in that stand. So it's gonna it's gonna be a cracker of a match. I feel like we've just had real, two like really well thought out ones. Um, mine's just going to be a shout out to the Fremantle social media team and um, to the players for providing us with some elite social media com- uh, content recently. Um, that Freed From Desire video from Emma O'Driscoll and Laura Pugh was elite. <laughs> um, so it was the video of Amy Franklin kicking the goal in the warm up and then the ball proceeding to knock over an umpire who's warming up on the boundary. Um, keep putting that stuff out there. We are loving it. Um, and just another one off the top of my head, the Kiara Bowers, um, Michaela Tahakarena. Um, I don't know what's going on there, but I'm loving it. Um, the partnership is elite. I need to find another word that isn't elite. Um, but yeah, keep the content coming because it is keeping me thoroughly entertained. Um, I love love that Trent Cooper was like quote retweeting the, um, the the video of um the girls doing that free from desire video and saying that the opposition forwards would be shaking in their boots watching that <laughs> vision of their key defenders with just a big face palm emoji <laughs> what a king <laughs> but let's be real anytime free from desire comes out you just know it's going to be a good time um anyway speaking of good times i hope you had a good time listening to our podcast Um, be sure to come back next week because we have more footy to talk about and I'm keen to discuss the round that's coming up. We've got some very exciting matchups coming up. Um, So, yeah, thank you all for listening and may your teams win. This has been What The Ruck. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at What The Ruck Pod as part of the Edge of the Crowd network. You can also find us at Edge of the Crowd on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, our website, www.edgeofthecrowd.com. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you next.